Transmission commencing. Now we find out if that code is worth the price we paid. It'll work. It'll work. Vader's on that ship. Now don't get jittery, Luke. There are a lot of command ships. Keep your distance, though, Chewie. But don't look like you're trying to keep your distance. I don't know. Fly casual. Where is that shuttle going? Shuttle to Dirian. What is your cargo and destination? Parts and technical crew for the forest moon. Do they have a code clearance? It's an older code, sir, but it checks out. I was about to clear them. I'm endangering the mission. I shouldn't have come. It's your imagination, kid. Come on, let's keep a little optimism. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 369, Saving What We Love, Part 2. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Han Solo to my Chewbacca. It's an old classic, but who cares? We have Carl LeClaire. I think you just did that two episodes ago, but that's okay. <laughs> I know. It, it's weird because we're there's so much ground that we're going to cover this episode that I can't really it's hard to narrow something down to something topical <laughs> but I know Han Solo and Chewbacca are going to be discussed this episode for sure it's, uh, it's pretty probable based on uh, yeah. where we left it off with the last episode oh yeah, my goodness definitely. so we are continuing um, in the second part of this two part episode series where we are ranking for ourselves the Star Wars movies now that, obviously, Rise of Skywalker has come out. And we have now 11 live-action Star Wars movies, all of which are great in their own way. And we've just been talking about how we rank them personally, focusing in on um, a, f- a f- major theme from each movie, a favorite moment, a favorite character we identify with, as well as some sort of personal story attached to each of these films, which we've obviously encouraged all of you to participate in on your own time. Um, because we love Star Wars, and we love all the movies, and they're all great yes. in their own way. So ranking them is just something fun to do, not something we're looking to debate, but just simply something fun to do, and it's an opportunity to now revisit all of these live-action films and just love on them all in their own right. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, because remember, folks, um, your favorite Star Wars movie is a subjective thing. It is not a right or wrong answer. So we're just finding a new way to look at this because personally, it's it's almost impossible for me to rank movies. So when Carl gave me these criteria, it was like, ah, this is how I can do this. <laughs> um, and so I was very happy with this. So. <laughs> 
I will say that between our last episode and this episode, I, I did go see The Rise of Skywalker again. Uh, it's my fourth viewing in the theaters now with uh, our good friend of the show, Philip Liebold. Um, so that was that was a fun experience. We, we got to go together and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. So That's a great movie. It is a good one. Can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> but before we get into our, our, our top five Star Wars movies, we asked all of you last week what your favorite Star Wars movie again, favorite Star Wars movie was. And again, this is a purely subjective question. We weren't asking what you think is the best from a critical standpoint or any sort of, uh, you know, this is the best and anybody who disagrees is wrong, but simply asking you which Star Wars movie is your favorite and I will note that there was one person, and don't, I apologize, I don't remember who, but someone who simply said, this is the one I watched the most. This is a hard question, but this is the one I watched the most, therefore it's my favorite. And that's kind of how I view it as well, is these are how I rank them based on how often I want to watch them and how often I watch them. So it's not to say that I dislike this one and this one's better, it's just these are the ones I watch the most, therefore they're probably my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and fair, and that, and that uh, yeah. So I, I definitely got a lot of that. There was somebody who also said this one's my favorite, but this one's the best. So I just picked the favorite one because that's was the right. question we were that's asking. The question. Yep. And uh, someone, I will say, I didn't include it on here because it's not actually a movie, but somebody did say The Mandalorian was their favorite. If you watched it all in one go, as one long extended movie, but we were just asking for a live action movie. So, right. Um, there's a lot of love out there for the TV shows, both animated and live action. So, but that's a different episode and a different poll. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, shall I jump into the res- the results of our poll, Carl? Please do. All right. Well, uh, in eighth place, with one vote each, we have. Um, Sadly. <laughs> Wait, really quick, really quick. Before you jump in, I like that yes. in eighth place. That means that almost every Star Wars movie got a vote. That's awesome. Well, they all did. Some of them tied. Oh, good point. That's a so valid. Awesome. That yes. makes me so happy. <laughs> yes. Every every single live action Star Wars movie got at least one vote in our polls. So that makes me happy. Um, in eighth place, with one vote, uh, we have the Phantom Menace, uh, the Force Awakens, and the Rise of Skywalker. In uh, seventh place, with two votes, we've got Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, in sixth place, with three votes, um, I'm I was. I almost didn't count this as a as an option, but I, we had enough people say it that I did. Uh, six play three votes uh, said all of them. So weak sauce. Sorry, I don't care. <laughs> I know people put that, but that doesn't count. Not in my book. Yeah. They're not all one movie. Stop it. Pick one. Stop being so damn indecisive, people. <laughs> Pick one. No, just kidding. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> In fifth place with four votes, we've got The Last Jedi. Uh, in fourth place with six votes, we have Revenge of the Sith. Um, oh, sorry. Also in sixth place with three votes, tied with all of them, was Attack of the Clones. I missed that. Sorry. Um, so that made me very happy that Attack of the Clones got three votes uh, in our poll. Um, f- uh, fifth place with four votes was Last Jedi. Fourth place with six votes was uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, third place with seven votes. This one actually surprised me a little bit. Um, was Rogue One. So I'm very happy about that. That was that was really cool. Uh, 
we definitely have some Rogue One lovers that follow our podcast. So curious, thank you, everyone. I'm curious if it got that many votes or just Jim Caprin made like five different Twitter accounts just to vote. I mean, <laughs> it's <kidding>. possible. <laughs> it's possible. Jim uh, – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jim wouldn't do that, but – uh, he's definitely had an impact on people's opinions on the movie, I'm sure. Um, tied uh, for second place with nine votes, we have A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. And then probably to no one's surprise, uh, first place with 16 votes, we've got The Empire Strikes Back. So um, obviously Carl and I have not weighed in on this poll because um, you'll find out time. our favorites yeah. if you listen to this episode. Um, right. Yes. So. Man, that's a pretty great breakdown though. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it was it was a very interesting interesting to watch it form uh when I was gathering all the responses. So uh I I was a little surprised, but in retrospect shouldn't have been surprised that the uh Last Jedi was the top runner uh for the sequel trilogy. Um but Yeah, yeah, people love that one. So. I like it a lot too. So yeah, it's a good movie, no doubt about Tis. it. Tis. Um, so yeah, well, I think we should dive into ours. And uh, just a reminder: so with this, uh, as we finish out how we rank the movies for ourselves again, um, which is an epic thing to do, we have an epic Ugh. matchup for you at the end of the episode. So stick around yes. for that. Yes. So uh, I, I forget, were you going first or was I going first? I went first last time, so shall we continue the trend? Sure. All right. Let's do it. So, fifth place, ladies and gentlemen, is what we're starting with. place. So I got to say this. My fifth and fourth place are very close, like extremely close. And they actually flip-flopped for me just the other day. So my fifth place – went up to my fourth and obviously fourth went down to fifth. This could change any given day. So we will see how it shakes out over time. But that being said, my number five right now is return of the Jedi. Excellent. Everything is going as planned. Yes. (laughs) So return of the Jedi is such a freaking awesome star Wars movie, obviously. And yes. the to me, the main theme and the theme that I love the most about this movie, especially within its context of, uh, you know, 1983, George really thought this was probably going to be the last movie he made. The prequels still weren't really that much on his mind. Um, and he ends it with this really powerful theme of the simple mythical truth that compassion and love triumphs over evil. Right. That is, to me, the major theme of this particular movie. And in a way, I think it is kind of a major theme of the entire Star Wars story is that love triumphs over evil. And that's the truth of this movie. And I love that. I think it's just so perfect. Um, and that correlates directly with my favorite moment, favorite moment of the movie. And obviously one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars, which is simply the uh, I am a Jedi, like my father before me. I don't think it gets much more epic than that when when it comes to when it comes to Star Wars. Um it's just so damn good. And I love it so much. And here we go. Let's uh let's let's give it a second. I'll never turn to the dark side. 
You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. So be it, Jedi. <laughs> so the thing I want to focus in on, though, because obviously I know over the eight years we've podcasted together, we've talked about this moment quite a lot um, yeah. because we both really, really love it. And yeah. I think a lot of Star Wars fans really love it um, yeah. simply for the truth that this is the moment when Luke states his personhood. He states his identity. This is who he is. But the thing I want to focus on this time is kind of the second part of that phrase that I am a Jedi part two, like my father before me. Mm -hmm. And I think that ties in very greatly with this major theme of compassion and love. And it's the reality that Luke loves his father. And even in spite of what his father chose to become. And as Luke kind of stands there claiming his truth, claiming his identity, it kind of lights this spark in his father that reminds Anakin of who he really is. And I think it's this really beautiful truth that when we live out our own truths, when we live to our fullest, we inevitably invite others to do the same. And I think that's an extremely powerful, beautiful message and beautiful moment in Star Wars as Luke is standing there claiming that identity as a Jedi an identity that was inspired by the goodness, the truth of who his father is, reminds Anakin, who's buried beneath that mask of Vader, that he too is a Jedi, that he too is a good person. And it changes the entire story. Um, so I love that. I think it's absolutely powerful. Um, Indeed. And to, to move on to the character I identify with, it's it's got to be Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think just from the simple standpoint of I also hope to claim a strong sense of identity or, or continually claim a sense of identity because I think we never claim that once and then it never changes, right? Who we are always evolves. Even Luke's understanding of what it means to be a Jedi is going to have to evolve. Um, and that's part of what Last Jedi helps us realize is that what Luke mean what what it means for Luke to be a Jedi changes thirty years later, and that's important because you know uh, when we find out who we are at our core, there's something powerful about that that claiming of our identity. But to think that that's stagnant is foolish. Right. Like, right. As Luke stands there and says, I am a Jedi. Well, what does it mean to be a Jedi? That's going to grow with him. That's going to change over time. When we understand who we are as a person, you know, that the truth of who we are, we can claim that that can be powerful. But what that looks like, how that will change over time is important to also recognize. Um, so I really like that for Luke, that he claims that sense of identity Um and, and and something buried also in the story is the fact that Luke knows what he has to do, even if it goes against what was kind of expected of him. And what I mean by that is specifically with his first mentor, with Obi-Wan, right? Um, I can't kill my own father. Then the Emperor has already won. <laughs> right. You were our only hope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's this reality that Luke knows who he's supposed to be, even if it doesn't agree with 
what is expected of him, what his mentors think he's supposed to be. And I think that's just really – that's to me very inspiring that sometimes we know who we're supposed to be even when people that we look up to or really respect think otherwise, that we can still know it in our bones what we are really supposed to be and what we're really supposed to do, what we're really called to. And, and that's exactly the truth for Luke. Um, so I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, obviously, I'm not going to interject anything at this point. So, I uh, you wouldn't. yes. <laughs> um, and then just a a fun little personal story for Return of the Jedi, and this is a story I know I've told again on the show in the past. But just recreating the Battle of Endor in my Christmas tree as a kid, I loved it. You know, this was a massive tree that to me doubled for Bright Tree Village when I was a kid. I would reenact the Battle of Endor both in the branches and on the ground underneath my Christmas tree as a kid. So um, I always just have such fond memories of Return of the Jedi around the holidays. So, um, yeah. So my number five is Return of the Jedi. Excellent. Well, I'm going to bring up something that I'm sure you will save comment on. Um, number My number five is going to be Solo, a Star Wars story. Um I really love Solo. It's a great movie. Um, it's hard to pick a favorite moment, but since I had to pick one, um, I said the train heist. Um, nice. I really think that train heist is like one of the best set pieces and sequences in the entire movie. And it definitely is is a high point in the movie for me, not only with the characters, but just musically and action wise. I think it's a great scene and a, and, and just a really fun sequence in solo. So I love it. I, it's just terrific. Um, now, as far as the theme from the movie, uh, and I'm going to get into that in just a sec, but I do want to give a quick caveat. I've been rewatching the clone wars. And uh, so when I wrote down the theme for solo, it kind of ended up coming out like a, a fortune cookie from the beginning of a Clone Wars episode, so I'm, I'm actually a little bit proud of this. Um, but it, it just amused me. Uh, the theme I picked up from Solo is, trust is important, who you trust is even more important. Um, and because, you know, obviously, the the lesson that Beckett tries to teach Solo, Han, is that, you know, you can't trust anyone. That's not exactly true. Because Han wants to trust Kira, and finds out that he can't. And along the way, he ends up putting complete trust in Chewie and finds out that is the best decision he could have ever made. And in the end, he trusts Beckett to continue to be Beckett in the, you know, the final sequence, you know, as, as that the plan with the coaxium goes down at the end. He trusts that Beckett will still be Beckett he hopes it's not the case, but he's like, he's going to do this, and that's why. And so trust is a big thing in Solo because Han Han gets burned by trusting the wrong people and wanting to put trust in people who let him down. But ultimately, he finds the best person that he can put his trust in you know, and someone who always has his back, and that's Chewbacca. Um, so I, I really like that, that whole theme and the, the path that Han goes on to find that, uh, and that sort of brings me to the character I identify with in Solo being Han Solo himself. Um, 
and and this is because he is you know he's got this this idea he's going to have a starship and he's going to travel the galaxy and do all this stuff and he's had this dream ever since he was a kid you know trying to get off Corellia with Kira and the coaxium and everything and then he gets out not the way he intended to by being part of the imperial you know navy and then getting shoved over to the army cuz he was not he was too disruptive, shall we say? Um, and then he meets up with Kira again, and he's still like, and she asks him, "Well, did you get that starship?" And he's like, "Not, not yet. I'm working on it, though." And it's still that dream. Yeah, he's still got that dream, and and I feel like that's been me with the voice acting thing for so long, and now I'm finally starting to do a little bit of that. So that's pretty awesome. Um, so that that's kind of where I <laughs> I identify with Han in that, and. Dear God, he he's just great in that movie. Alden Ehrenreich is absolutely fantastic. Um, and like I've said before, he's become my Han Solo more than Harrison Ford has, which is a weird thing to say. And, you know, I, no disrespect to Harrison Ford, but Alden's my Han. Um, the, the story, personal story, I'm going to... Uh, put in with this is Carl, our trip, our first trip to San Francisco. Yeah. Together where, uh, first thing we did with the car we rented is we hung the, the dice <laughs> on the mirror. Um, <laughs> and we tra- traveled, drove across the golden gate bridge with the yeah. great picture of the dice hanging in the mirror. Um, that was, that was really awesome. And then of course we, we went to, the crappiest theater with the worst seats and the most obnoxious <laughs> people next to us to see solo on the worst screen. But it was fun because I got to see it with you. Um, so <laughs> we had our, <laughs> our solo adventure um, that trip anyways. Um, but it was just, it was one of those things where it was like, this is, this is a terrible theater and the people next to us were really obnoxious, but it was still fun anyways because I got to see it with Carl. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's my that's my story for, for Solo, a Star Wars story. And it's such a fun movie. And the soundtrack is terrific. And uh, I'm sure you'll have a lot more to say about it later, Carl. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up a little later. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's my number five. Nice. Um. Well, like I said, my number five and number four just swapped places just a few days ago. And again, we'll see how this shakes down over time. But right now, my number four is Rise of Skywalker, um, which Ow. I won't lie, kind of surprised me. But the more I see it, the more I fall in love. And, uh, you know, to me, that's the the testament of a great Star Wars movie. And, um, yeah, I just I like it so freaking much. Um and to me, one of the reasons I love it so much is one of the major themes of this movie is the quote from Master Leia when she says, never be afraid of who you are. And yeah. I think that this is a a theme that while it's addressed directly to Rey, it's something that addresses many of our main characters in this movie. I think it applies to Poe, to Finn, to Janna. Um, you know, all of our new characters in some way benefit from the truth of this statement. And to me, it's, it's this nice reminder that 
You know, you can never let your past hold you back from being all of who you are and nothing you did in your past erases who you can become. Right. So right. this quote from Leia, as we learn later in the movie, Leia knows that Ray's a Palpatine, even though she hasn't shared it with her yet. And she probably realizes as Ray's getting ready to leave in her search for Exegol that she may uncover this truth of her genealogical lineage and gives her this beautiful piece of advice that no matter what you find out about yourself, no matter the worst of what you've experienced or the worst of what you've ever even done, that's not what defines you. It cannot interrupt who you're really called to be. And I just, I love that theme so much. Um, and I think it's a beautiful reminder to all of us, even today in this very mythological way that, right. Um, we all have pasts. We all have a past that has either hurt us or we've done things in our past that have hurt others. But it's the reminder that none of that is the culmination of all that we are. So we shouldn't be afraid of those things. It doesn't mean that we should just dismiss them and ignore them. But the reality is, is those things aren't all of who we are. So don't be afraid of them. It's okay to face them and move past them. And I think that that's the truth that really speaks to Ray as the movie progresses. Um, and that's obviously the character I identify most with in the movie is Ray. Um, Ray is such a phenomenal character in Rise of Skywalker. Now, I loved Ray in her intro in Force Awakens. I really like the stuff that she has to endure in Last Jedi, but this movie has solidified Ray as one of my top five Star Wars characters, possibly top three. Um, wow. Again, time will tell. Um, also, the fact that I've decided to cosplay as the la the Rise of Skywalker version of Ray at Celebration this summer is huge. Um, I've never really wanted to cosplay the way that I do for Ray. And again, a lot of that is inspired by our good friend, Jim Caprin, who did a phenomenal job inhabiting the character of Jin in his costume. Um, yeah. The reason good I, on you. Good on you, Jim, yes. by the way. And I think the thing that I just love so much about Ray in this movie and what identifies so much with her is she is really creating this new interpretation of what it means to be a Jedi. Um, again, kind of like with the return of the Jedi, Luke, claims to be a Jedi. And again, that's something that's going to evolve with him over time. Well, Ray is something completely new. And I honestly like, I love that just simply in her wardrobe. She is, her wardrobe is this beautiful uh, combination of this past life of being a scavenger, this interpretation of hers of what a Jedi might look like. And then this awesome hood inspired by the outfit of Leia from a new hope. She really does inhabit the greatest aspects of all of the original three characters. She is the, in a way, fulfillment of Han, Luke, and Leia. She's the best in all of them. Um, and I think her costume even um, gives flesh to that. Um, but more than that, I identify with Rey too because she ultimately, at the end of this movie, this movie is about her choosing who her family is, Right. And mm -hmm. it's a rejection of this old of this bloodline family that means nothing to her and only means pain and um, hatred. She rejects all of that and she takes the power of choosing who she identifies as family. And 
I just love that so much. Um, I identify with that so much. Um, so Ray is phenomenal. And that also, um, I know we literally just talked about our top five moments from this movie. And this very well may now be my new favorite moment from the movie. It was on the list, but it wasn't my number one at the time. Um, but it is that moment when she's able to connect with the Jedi who've gone before. Ah, uh, so good. Yeah, and I know this was your favorite moment. From yes, the movie. it is. Um, and obviously I've got the music on right here. It's, it's so good. Um, and this beautiful, simple mantra of be with me. Right, which is the very first thing we hear her saying in the movie when we first see her. She's trying so hard to reach out to the Jedi of the past, seeking confirmation of who she is, that she indeed is supposed to be a Jedi, that she is indeed on the right path. And then they respond. And I love this simple version of her theme on the piano. These are your final steps, Ray. And then you are, everybody starts saying her name. Oh, it's right. so good. It's, oh, bring back the balance, Ray, as I did. Right? It's confirmation that Anakin did indeed bring balance. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, in this moment, Ray is confirmed in her, her identity. That the Jedi of the past see her as one of them. That she indeed is doing the right thing. And I just, I love it so much. It's just this incredibly spiritual moment where the force confirms on her in a way that she is the new chosen one, that she is the new hero of our story. And uh, here we get her theme. Ah, yeah. I, it just I love that moment so much. Yeah. Um yeah, and it, it's it's a moment that I will have to continue to unpack in the months ahead yeah. because I just love it so much. But in a nutshell, that's really what it is. It's it's this moment of of confirmation that she is indeed doing the right thing. And I identify with that because uh, a lot's been going on in my life in the past year where I kind of want that confirmation from uh, you know, my spiritual life that I am indeed on the right path, that I'm doing the right thing, that I am fulfilling who I'm called to be. And I love in that moment that Ray hears that confirmation. Um, so yeah, uh, I love it. And then, um, my personal story for rise of Skywalker is, uh, my third viewing of the movie. I got to go with a group of friends that I consider my chosen family, so it was literally getting to in, in, inhabit that theme that I think is so big in, in this movie, which is that of chosen family and just getting to sit next to some, some of my dearest friends and experience this movie with them. And I was sitting next to one friend who had never seen a Star Wars movie on the big screen before. Wow. Um, she's seen all of the Star Wars movies, but never on the big screen. And getting to share that moment with her was just so beautiful. Um, and uh, again, this is getting very personal at this point, but uh it was like an awesome way of ending this sequel trilogy because I saw the sequel trilogy with force awakens with, um, a partner who I loved very, very dearly and losing her was probably some of the worst heartbreak I've ever experienced. But then sitting there with my chosen family and getting to cry and hold each other 
was such a beautiful uh, reality of love that um, I never thought possible four years before that. And uh, so getting to experience this movie, which is all about chosen family with the people that I choose as family was just beautiful. So um, I think that helps push this movie up quite a bit in my rank too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Everyone's experiences with these movies, you know, really, you know, kind of, uh, you know, contributes to where we place them. Um, and that's fair. It's completely fair. All right. Well, my number four, uh, I'm, you're yeah, done, correct? Of course. Yes, I am. Yeah. All right. Cool. I just, I was just jumping in. It was like, wait, yeah, do is it. he done? Um, but yes, my number four is going to be rogue one. Nice. So uh, I, this is a movie that uh, is is just – it still stands the test of time for me. It was one of those things where I saw it and the way that you know it, it just integrated itself so richly into the story of Star Wars and the characters that were in the story just intrigued me so much um, that it very quickly jumped high into my list. And – it has just sort of stood the test of time um, at that point. Uh, so, which has honestly surprised me a little bit. Um, that being said, though, my favorite moment, uh, this should come as no surprise to people who have heard me talk about Rogue One, is the master switch. Uh, when mm. when Chirrut walks out and and takes his, his walk of faith out to the master switch and, uh, you know is able to turn it off and, and, and just that whole moment is just absolutely fantastic and terrific. Um, and the, just to be honest, the whole sequence around that is, as each of the characters gets their moment to shine as they, you know, sacrifice and do what they have to is in the moment. It's just so terrific, but, Cheer is my favorite character from the movie, so obviously that's the moment I pick in particular. Um, <laughs> um, my the theme in this movie um, is interesting. Oh, thank you for playing the music, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but I heard it. I heard it going. Uh, the theme, though, is, is an interesting one for me because I, I, I had a, a theme of, of believing in hope uh, for a new hope. And hope is a big theme in Rogue One, but yeah. I didn't want, didn't want to just say hope um, as a theme. And so I decided to word it as creating hope for others um, is the mm-hmm. theme of this movie because the hope – the hope in this movie is not one that the characters in this movie get to experience mm-hmm. or or get to to see the result of. It is their sacrifice and their story and their you know challenges that create hope for other people. And they know that. They know that. This, you know, going into this final battle on Scarif and and the way that the battle ends up not going in their favor in many respects, they know that this is this is it, and so it is their job to create hope where there is none. And being able to do that for others is a very selfless thing to do. And you know, obviously, it's usually in our lives not as extreme as in this case, but uh, <laughs> but 
it was just a very interesting theme and, and a very interesting way to, to look at hope in regards to this film that I really wanted to highlight here. Uh, favorite character, character I most identify with, this is also no shocker, Chirrut, Chirrut Imway. I love the guy. Um, I love his his just steadfast faith. Uh, and that's something that you know, I, I strive to to emulate. Um, so, oh, thank you. Turn, turn the music up. <laughs> <laughs> this is, oh, Guardians of the Wills, one of my favorite tracks from the soundtrack. It is so gorgeous. Um, but yeah, his steadfast faith is just something I, I completely aspire to. But also in terms of my Star Wars fandom, uh, the way that he sort of views the Force and the Jedi and holds them up in a, in a place of reverence is kind of something I like to, to do, you know, with, with these movies. You know, they, they are, you know, it is something that... It, it is a bit of a reverent experience in a way, not, not, not to the point where like, you know, it, it is my life because come on, life is more important than a series of movies. However, these movies have influenced my life in a way that most other movies and stories do not. So, um, so the way he holds, you know, the force and the, the, the Jedi stories in particular is really kind of uh, a way that I like to, to see my star Wars fandom. And I connect with him on that level um, as well. So uh, I knew going in to this movie that Chirrut was going to be my favorite character. And walking out of that movie, everything that I saw just confirmed that even more. So uh, <laughs> there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So um, my favorite personal story, though, that um, – I have with this movie. Um, it's actually sort of a, a, a little bit of a two twofer here. Uh, I loved getting Jim on and having our first uh, podcast with Jim about Jin or so. Um, that was just a, a way to look at the movie and a way to look at the character of Jin that I hadn't thought of before. And so I, I really appreciate that from from Jim's perspective. And then honestly, getting to share the um, – there was a video a while back that came out that kind of spread around the Star Wars fandom of uh, this this young woman named uh, Brinley who watched Rogue One. And her reaction to the final scene of Rogue One is one of the most genuine things mm. out there. And that went around, uh, made the rounds a while back, and I, I actually went back and watched it today while I was making all my notes for this. And that was just such a, a terrific thing and a very, you know, honest and heartfelt and and genuine reaction to Star Wars in a time when everyone else was sniping each other over their opinions. Um, and so and so having that in the midst of all that was just like a breath of fresh air. Um and and it was involving Rogue One, so it, it it is still one of my favorite reaction videos I've ever seen for Star Wars. Period. So um, 
I don't know. I just had to bring that up. So anyway, that's Rogue One. That's my number four, sir. Nice. Love it. Thank you. Um, well, my number three, and I have a feeling you might like this, is uh, Phantom Menace. Ah, I do. <laughs> yes, I believed you would. Um, uh, before you begin, yes. Phantom Menace is also my number three. Giddy up. <laughs> so here we go. I love it. Um, yeah, so, uh, man, I obviously, right, I've been, I've been raving on this movie for a long time, and, and I will continue yeah. to for a long time. Yeah. Um, so Phantom Menace is – so you and I have talked about this a lot over the years um, about how something that just permeates this entire movie is is this sense of innocence. Yes. Um, and I thought about looping that into the theme, which it certainly is a theme. But the thing I really want to focus on in, uh, f- for, for now, um, and mainly because I've been trying to come up with quotes for all my major theme, my, all my major themes as I've been doing this. So – Granted, I didn't do that for Return of the Jedi, but for the rest of them, I have. And to me, a major theme I love for this movie is when Qui-Gon says, your focus determines your reality. Mm, um, and this is a life truth that I've been living by for a long time. <laughs> um, and I think that this theme is really powerful, both meta in the story, as well as, again, outside of the story of what it's trying to tell us as a mythological story. Within the story, this is a key truth for Anakin, focusing on his fear. Right. By the time we get to Revenge of the Sith, Anakin is so focused on his fear of losing Padme that that fear becomes his reality. It devours the goodness of Anakin and creates Darth Vader. Right. Um, But I think even more than that, Phantom Menace is kind of reminding us of the power of belief. Right. That when we when we really focus on something, we really believe that it can become real it can, right? Um, yeah. That, you know, and then I think even within the story of Phantom Menace, Anakin is so focused on this dream of his of becoming a Jedi, it becomes a reality. He really thinks that it can, and it does become a reality. And I think that that's what that this story is trying to remind all of us is whatever we pour our hearts into, whatever we really focus on, it beca- it can indeed become something real. And in a very cheesy, simple way, I think that's the truth of what happened a little over eight years ago when we decided to make this podcast is, you know, I didn't know a damn thing about making a podcast, the technical right. side, the social media side, and, and I'm still far from the best at any of those things. And yet um, yeah. this this focus Thank on you. just wanting to do this thing, to make this a reality, we were so focused on it that it became true. <laughs> it did. It and, did. And uh, we got a lot of help. Uh, along the way, which we appreciate. And honestly, I'm still to this day going, wow, people still want to listen to us. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so so building off of that theme, the character I identify most with this in this movie is Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, very good. To me, the, the premiere of all Jedi. Um, I just, I can't get enough of, um, master Qui-Gon Jinn. And the thing I identify so strongly with Qui-Gon is this um, this reality that he follows the will of the Force even if it means ignoring the mandates of the Code and the Council, right? That he is so centered in the living Force, that he is so centered in following the will of the Force in his life, both on a cosmic level and on a personal level, 
that if it brings him up into contention with the authority figures, he doesn't care. Right. He doesn't he's not on the council. He doesn't care to be on the council because of the restrictions that it would place on him. Right. And Qui-Gon is fine living outside of those bounds. And I love that as a, as a, a incredibly spiritual and faithful person. I have no problem ignoring the mandates of the religious authorities of my own life, because in my opinion, they often get it wrong. They're more focused on. You know, the code forbids it than the reality of the living force. So right. if the code forbids it, but the force does not, the hell with the code <laughs> is what I would say. <laughs> um, and that's the reality Qui-Gon lives in. And I absolutely love that so freaking much. W- w- would you say Qui-Gon is the Martin Luther to the Jedi? Um, perhaps, you know. I would – I take it a step – I take it a way further step and say he's the Jesus of his Jewish <laughs> contemporaries. Right. Like, okay. Because that's who Jesus was in a more powerful way even than Martin Luther. Uh, Jesus shook up the system to its core um, and challenged the people that tried to put God in a box. Um, yes, Martin Luther did the same thing. Yes. Um, but Jesus was the, the OG. Um, so, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So Fair I, enough. I, I, go, I, I was, I go I was not, that. I was not going that grandiose, but uh, I'll – I seed your point. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, not to say that Qui-Gon is the, the Jesus of the Star Wars story. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think he, he I mean, it, and it's not even, I mean, even giving it a contemporary uh, analogy would be Martin, um, or Martin Luther King Jr., right? This, is, this was a man who lived in the truth of uh, God's reality of what equality could look like and went up against the authorities of his day. Um, you know, so, you know, that's who Qui-Gon is. He's not doing it to simply make a stir to make a stir. He's doing it because he so wholeheartedly believes that this is what the force is calling him to and inviting him to. So he's going to do it. The code forbids it. Eh, oh, well, I'll take him. He'll be my Padawan learner. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> a Padawan you already have, Master Qui-Gon. Impossible. Impossible. Take on a second. The code forbids it. <laughs> Obi-Wan is ready to face the trials. I am, I am ready. Not. Our own council. We keep on who is ready. <laughs> he is headstrong. <laughs> he is headstrong and has much to learn of the living force. There's little more he can learn from me. Oh, and then that look. Oh, poor Obi-Wan. Um, yeah. So Qui-Gon is not perfect, but um, no. But the spirit of that is is quite wonderful. It so, is. It is. Um, My favorite moment of... The Phantom Menace will forever be and forever at this point still maintains strongly at my number one favorite action sequence, which is, of course, Duel of the Fates. Um, just Excellent. Can never get enough of that duel. I love it so much. It is the primacy of a Jedi versus a Sith. It's this beautiful artistic fight where there is this martial art to it. Um, these are the Jedi and Sith of old where even combat itself was an art form. Love that so much. Um, the stakes are so high. Obviously, the music tells us as much. And it also correlates to my personal story of recreating that duel as often as I could with my two cousins in the basement of their house and breaking three lamps. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, because we were not very good with our plastic lightsabers. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I just assume, unless you're doing it outside, uh, many lamps befall many a lightsaber duel uh, <laughs> at home. So yes, yes. so there, th- that that is the reasons. Some of the reasons I love Phantom Menace. What what 
you fill this out now. With it, All right. Well, it, yes. As, as I said, this is my number three as well. Um, my favorite moment – originally I was going to say my favorite moment is uh, the moment between uh, when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan land on the droid battleship and the uh, celebration on Naboo um, – because it's so hard for me to pick a favorite moment for this movie. <laughs> it's, it's, can I just not pick? No. Um, <laughs> but I will I will say just due to its impact on the way I viewed the prequels in general and Star Wars and, and the Jedi after this, my favorite moment is going to be uh, when Obi-Wan and Anakin go to town on the battle droids at the beginning of the movie, um, you know, on the droid control ship. You know, that whole sequence as they fight their way from the conference room to the bridge of the uh, the the droid control ship is – it completely transformed my view of what Jedi were capable of mm. and, and what it meant to be a Jedi in their heyday. Um, but to be honest, it's just so hard for me to pick a favorite moment from this movie because I love it to pieces. Uh, I love all of it. <laughs> so um the the theme that I picked up on is is you know I we've talked so much about the innocence of of this movie and so I wanted to have something to do with the innocence of this but I was like okay let's take a step back and look at this a little bit broader and it is the fragility of innocence mm. uh because by the end of the movie that. all of our the the innocence of of our main characters is in many regards Damaged or broken, um, you know. The, while they are still innocent of mind, they are no longer have the innocence of who they were at the beginning of the movie. Anakin, such an innocent character, all he wants to do is become a Jedi, come back and free the slaves. By the end of the movie, the mentor, the father figure he had, is dead, um, and he has seen you know that uh, Padme. The innocent girl queen um, just sees the the corruption that is just rife within the Trade Federation itself and how it treats her people, and then within the Senate and the politics of the Republic. And she just, you know, she goes back and has to take care of business herself uh, because the innocence and the belief in the system is just shattered, which is what makes her such a staunch defender of, of what she is defending, uh, you know, in the later movies as a Senator, uh, Jar Jar is possibly the only purely innocent character left over at the, you know, in, in this movie, because he is built out of innocence. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> but that is still shaken because, you know, of of his connection to Qui-Gon and and his passing you know and so it is just the and the the state of the galaxy this innocent uh blissful moment of peace you know in retrospect as we look at the prequels as a whole is cracked that innocence the patina of innocence is cracked in this movie and unless they you know were to act and do something then to repair it um, it, it is just not going to come back um, in any way, shape, or form as long as Palpatine is pulling his strings. So um, 
in terms of the overall story of Star Wars. That is kind of the thing. And that innocence is something to be not necessarily sheltered and guarded, but something to be nurtured and, and encouraged, um, you know, and, and something that, that we have to be careful with because it is something that is so easily broken. Mm. Um, and, and while we, we just see the innocence of the Phantom Menace permeated, you know, in just about everything in the movie, it doesn't really come back with the rest of the saga. We have moments, we have characters and moments and glimpses of it, but the, the, you know, high level, the saturation of innocence that is in the Phantom Menace does not come back in any of the other movies. Um, and that is a shame, you know, because it is such a, a wondrous part mm. of that movie and of the story as a whole is that we had this, this high point like that. Um, but it is, it is just, you can't recover it. You can't get it back. You can't put it back in the bottle, you know, once it's out. So, um, it is a fragile thing and you have to be careful with it. Um, my favorite character, the character I most identify with is Jar Jar Binks. Uh, this is not a surprise. I've talked about how much I identified with him as a young Star Wars fan, as a young kid. Um, and so I won't necessarily go over and belabor the point, but this ties directly into my story my favorite story from this involving this movie and it actually took place just last year in april when i got to meet ahmed best for the first time <laughs> and and kind of just tell him how much jar jar meant to me uh to to young jason as a young star wars fan as a young person um and how much of a positive impact impact that he had on me so i i, I nearly choked I nearly choked, but I managed to get something out. And uh, if I ever saw him again, I would, I would try and and do better in that regard. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that was that's still one of my the highlights of my Star Wars fandom is getting to meet Ahmed Best and and seeing him and and telling him how much Jar Jar meant to me as a kid uh, and a young Star Wars fan. So love it yeah there we go i love that that's both of our number three uh, yeah and if, and if i'm that glowing about my number three ooh, what's gonna happen with number one and two yeah. um <laughs> but anyway what is your number two sir before i hop into my number two which my top two are not going to be any surprise to you and anyone else who's been listening for a little while no. um but i, I kind of want to continue with this trope that you've been so eloquently speaking about, which is that of innocence. And mm -hmm. I think that the Phantom Menace's sense of innocence, which is quite beautiful, is also the innocence of a child. And yeah. we can't maintain that innocence forever. And that's not something to necessarily mourn. But um, I like how you also attach it to the sense of wonder, right? The sense of yeah. childlike innocence also implies a sense of wonder. But yeah. I would say that the sense of our sense of wonder must always maintain itself, right? We we yes. always need to be recapturing that sense of wonder, and and that's something that evolves with us. And I think conversely, rather than being innocent and capturing wonder, it's actually later in life that our wonder reminds us of the goodness of our innocence. Yeah. Um. So that's a great 
distinction. Yeah. So this is me really quick, like just getting all like philosophical and, and emotional and whatnot. But it just it made me think of this uh, line from a song that I really love. Um, I'm going to play it for a second. So this is a song I love by my favorite band. It's called Safe If We Don't Look Down by Mute Math. And they have this beautiful line that the higher that we take this, the more we must admit we'll never find our way back to days of innocence. This reality that, you know, life kind of beats us down in those early innocent memories. You know, we can't recapture them, but no. but we can recapture something else. Um, and in a lot of ways, this is what my number two Star Wars movie really does a great job with, which is Solo. Yep. Star Wars story. <laughs> um, and I've often thought of, I actually made a playlist of just Phantom Menace and solo music where every other song is a piece of music from Phantom Menace and the other from solo. And I find nice. that these movies in a weird way are somewhat complementary in that regard, mostly centering around this sense of innocence, right? You think of the early scenes of solo you have this very optimistic young han even <laughs> even yeah. though i mean much like anakin anakin gl- grows up as a as a slave i mean it doesn't really get much worse than that no nope. han grows up essentially as an indentured servant um to lady proxima and you know living hand to mouth on the streets these are both pretty terrible ways of growing up and yet there's still this w- sense of innocence and wonder to both of them now something now granted solo is a standalone story right whereas anakin's journey is just beginning with phantom menace so of course we see this slow corruption of his innocence where he ultimately becomes vader but what we see in the story of solo is we see a character who is extremely optimistic who is extremely innocent in that optimism we see that kind of stripped away from him from everything he loses in the movie from you know the the love of his life to his mentor figure to you know so much is is taken away from him that that sense of innocence kind of goes away but that sense of wonder remains and i love that so um that being said i just spoke a lot without even going into the details um i love solo <laughs> Um, but to me, the major theme of solo that I really love is when Han says that beautiful line, I could use a co-pilot, um, right. And it's right at the beginning of the Kessel run. And he's obviously saying that to Kira, but the reality is, is Han knows he needs someone. Yeah. But sometimes that someone we need is someone unexpected. And I love that. I love yeah. that so much. And that's like you, Jason. I mean, it, it's not a surprise. I would imagine that anybody who loves Solo probably most likely identifies with Han in the movie. I, I, I don't want to say that that's certainly the only case. I mean, I think Kira has enough story there to identify with her as well. Um, and possibly Chewbacca. But I mean, this is his this is Han Solo's story. So it makes sense that he's the story. He's the character with the most fleshed out narrative. Um, right. But the thing that I identify most with Han is that reality of losing someone that you really wanted, that you really think you needed, but finding out that what you really need is something else. And that's the entire story of solo to me is that 
this is not this is a love story, but it's not a Han and Kira love story. It's a Han and Chewbacca love story. Um, and I love that so much, man. Like I just I can't get enough of that story. Um, and and that's what's been so identifiably strong for me ever since this movie came out. Um, now that being said, I'll go superficial for a moment here and just say my favorite moment, which is now my second favorite action sequence in all of star Wars is that shootout on Kessel underneath the Falcon. I mean, this is pure Western fun right here. We are protecting the wagon from the enemy and you know, it's just so fun and so cool from the moment when Lando says, hand tosses him that blaster and you know, Han chooses to go back to rescue Lando and then Chewie chooses to go back and rescue Han and uh, no sequence in Star Wars has ever stood out to me as much as that brief. I mean, I think it's like three to five seconds, but Han shooting as he backs up the the ramp of the Falcon. That is my favorite shot in all of Star Wars. I love it so much. The music and just the visual of that as he's blasting away going up backwards. Ugh. It's it's a pure defensive move too, right? He's got his back to what he's trying to protect. And that's even true. Um, I love that shot as he goes and rescues Lando. And then Chewie runs back and Han says, here, save him. And Chewie picks him up and Han puts his hand. Um, I don't know if any of you ever played basketball. It's basically called boxing out, which is when you're under the basket trying to get the rebound. You know, you put your arms out kind of in a, a reverse scoop and you're trying to back the other person away from the, the backboard so that you can rebound it. It's a defensive move. And that's what Han's doing there with Chewie and Lando. He kind of scoops his free arm around them to defend them. Han is putting himself between these people he cares about in harm's way. Um, and as much as people love to crap on Han, which I can't stand at all, but this is the pinnacle of who he is as a good person. He is taking up this defensive stance, defending the people he cares about, putting himself at risk. So that's my favorite moment in Solo. And bottled up into all of this, and and this is basically this movie is what brought Jim Urso and I, Jim Caper and I so close, is in the same way that Jim identified with the story of Jin in Rogue One, I had such a profound reaction to the character of Han in Solo um, and I know I've, t- I've probably told the story in the, the show before, and I apologize if it's a repeat, but this movie is the most I've ever had a personal identification with a Star Wars film ever. Um, and it really, you know, it, it came out about five months after that partner I just mentioned earlier, you know, uh, split up with me and I really needed to heal from that. And the story helped me heal from that because it was a reminder that what I thought I needed wasn't what I needed, but instead it was a family that chose me that I needed. And that's, you know, kind of what Chewbacca symbolizes. And that was kind of what was happening in my life at the time was I had these close friends that still claimed me and cared about me and loved me. And I could see that every, you know, every time that Han watches with this deep sadness as Kira flies away on um, Savarine and Chewie just boom out of the, out of the corner of the screen, puts that hand on his shoulder. It's like, yeah, this is what you really need. Um, so, yeah, Solo's my number two. And I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, yes. And, and my number two will come as no surprise to Carl or anybody else who's listened to this podcast for any length of time. I've not been shy 
about the fact that Attack of the Clones is yes. my number two. Love it. Um, what? I love it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it. Uh, it's such a good movie. Um, flaws and all. Um, and I, it, it's funny. I was uh, the theater that I went to go see um, Rise of Skywalker uh, with uh, with uh, Philip at is within walking distance of my house. So he drove over and we walked over to the theater and then walked back. Um, and on the way back home, we were talking about the movies and stuff. He's like, yeah, no, every star Wars movie is flawed. And I like, sometimes I like the movies more because of their flaws. So yeah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was a fun uh, point to make, but anyways, attack of the clones. Let's get into this because <laughs> yes, uh, I love this movie for so many reasons. <laughs> uh, I love the world building. This is probably the the best movie uh, that we have in terms of world building. Um, and I love that that aspect of stories. Um, it's got all the chess moves that Palpatine is making happen in Attack of the Clones. And we just see how those pay off in Revenge of the Sith. So everyone who's like, ah, oh, yes, see, Palpatine's great in Revenge of the Sith. Eh, well, he set that all up in Attack of the Clones, ladies and gentlemen. Um, he's playing three-dimensional chess and everyone else is playing checkers. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and and all this other fun stuff. However, my favorite moment in Attack of the Clones will for always and forever be the Genosis Arena battle. Mm. Just... The all-out insanity that is the the Jedi versus the battle droids there on the sands of Geonosis inside the arena is just one of the – it was a scene I didn't know I needed that immediately just grabbed me. And I absolutely love that that moment as far as just a pure fun aspect of star wars because it, honestly that is why i love it because it's all these jedi you know doing the the jedi combat action stuff that is just amazing to me that i absolutely fall in love with with these movies um and it's the the most that we get in any one condensed area period in star wars and so i love it um the I'm going to kind of do this a little bit out of order because of course, the story yeah. that I have uh, with Attack of the Clones, which I think I've told on the podcast before, is directly tied into this. Um, I repeatedly would go through this movie once I had it on DVD, would go through this movie frame by frame and watch all the Jedi in the background and pick up on all these different moves and everything that was done in, in Attack of the Clones by all the Jedi and things like that. And then I would go outside with a yellow wiffle ball bat because it was the best balanced thing I had for a lightsaber. Um, and I would just reenact all sorts of Jedi stuff, fighting down, you know, cutting down droids and fighting off, you know, the, the enemy and defending my friends or whatever it was in the backyard for hours and hours. And it was just the thing I did. Um, so <laughs> that is, and I, I still imagine myself doing that sometimes. So um, I don't do it as often anymore, but I should. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 
the character I think I relate most to in Attack of the Clones, which is it's a weird thing because I don't necessarily relate heavily to any particular character in Attack of the Clones. Mm. But the one I re- relate to most, I think, is, is Obi-Wan Kenobi um, because he's just kind of there trying to do his job, trying to, you know, keep his head down and do what he needs to do and follow the the mission through to the end. And everything else is just kind of getting crazy around him. And it's like, all right, well. I'm still a Jedi, so this is what I have to do, you know. And it's like, you know, as as much as you know, I would love to say, ah, well, I relate to Yoda. I can't because Yoda's, you know, he's very high and lofty in this movie, and I can't. But uh, Obi Wan, I I think is just this character who. Uh, he has his concerns about Anakin, but he can't really dwell on him because, you know, he's got his own job to do. And I feel like sometimes I get caught up in things. And I'm like, I really wish I could focus on that, but I've got something else on my plate. So sorry, you know, and <laughs> I don't know. It's just a weird thing, but I, I do, I do love Obi-Wan in this movie. Um, I think he's great. Uh, the theme though, that I want to pull out of attack of the clones. This is mm. something I, I've only been really kind of thinking of recently. Um, and and it's kind of related to how I was viewing uh, the theme from Phantom Menace is that everyone at some point in the early part of the movie lays down a red line, a moral, a principle hmm. that gets compromised by the end of the movie. Hmm. You know, we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Hmm. You no, know, I, you know, I couldn't live a lie. Could you, Annie? Could you live a lie? You know, yeah. Apparently, no, yeah, you can. Us. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, everyone has has this red line, this moral, this principle that gets compromised by the end of the movie, and the only one who hasn't is Palpatine because he has no morals or principles to compromise. <laughs> he's got uh, goal. he's got goals. He, oh yeah, he's got <laughs> goals, and he's getting all of them. They're all getting <laughs> yeah. checked off. His checklist is lighting up all green check marks <laughs> by the end of this movie. Um, so it's, it's it's one of those things, and this is the you know the tragedy of the prequels, um, and so you you don't necessarily have great themes in these movies. See, there are good themes to pick up from these movies, but the one I kind of wanted to focus on and talk about is that everyone has a moral or a principle that they say they stand for, um, and by the end of the movie they've compromised it in some way, you know, uh, and it's. Obi-Wan is maybe the only one who doesn't, but the Jedi Order kind of forces him to. Obi-Wan doesn't necessarily say that he's not a a warrior, but he doesn't say he isn't Mm -hmm. either. So, but the Jedi Order definitely changes and focuses what his responsibility is by the end of the movie. Um, So he's like, all right, I'm loyal to the Jedi. He's always been loyal to the Jedi, which is kind of his thing. And... So he he follows along with what the new direction is because that's his job. That's what he does. Um, and, you know, uh, Yoda even feels it by the end. You know, he's like, you know, the shroud of the dark side has fallen, begun. The Clone War has. This was not a victory. You know, it. it I reversed the line, but whatever. Uh, you know, and, and even he feels as if something has been compromised. Um and we can debate whether or not some of these compromises or these initial principles 
or even, you know, serious because Anakin, you know, when, when Padme says, you know, we'd be living a lie. I couldn't do that. Annie, could you, he says, no, it would destroy us. You know, whether or not he believes that, or he's just trying to, you know, look strong for Padme is a question. Um, but you know, or, or whether Padme feels the way that she's saying either is also in question, but they state that by the end, they've gone against it. Um, and we could debate whether or not, you know, the the compromises were required in the moment or not. But that's not the issue. The issue is that it was compromised. Mm-hmm. And the the Jedi are compromised. The Republic is compromised. Many of our main characters have personally compromised. Anakin is compromised in terms of, you know, who he thought he was going to be. He was a Jedi. He's But then he completely commits genocide on this tribe of Tusken Raiders, um, you know, because his mother was killed. Uh, and, and he says, I, he, I know I wasn't supposed to do that. It's not the Jedi way, but he doesn't necessarily apologize for it either. Yeah. So um, it's just a very interesting, it, it, it is, it is a movie that is on the surface, just kind of there sometimes to some people but it is packed with all sorts of things and that is where the the sands shift for everything Mm -hmm. in terms of the prequel story is an attack at the clones and that is one reason why i love the movie so much is because everything that we when we get from phantom menace to revenge of the sith the change happens in attack of the clones subtly in some cases but it's there um and it's ah it's so good I love, but, yeah, I love Attack of the Clones. So much fun. I and, love your love for it. <laughs> yeah, and and to be fair, you know, the, the, the last reel of Attack of the Clones, the final third, the third act is still one of my favorite in terms of awesome action uh, and, and Star Wars, you know, fighting goodness. Um, you know, I do wish there was a space battle in Attack of the Clones other than just the uh, Obi-Wan Jango fight in the Rings of Genosis, but... I'll take what I got, and it's real good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so Love it. All right, Carl. Um, I'm going to tell everybody what your number one is, and you're going to tell everybody what my number one is, uh, okay. and then you can tell everybody why that's your number one. All right. Uh, your number one is definitely going to be uh, the uh, Ewok movie, Caravan of Courage. Um, no, close. Battle for Endor. Oh, God. I mixed I up the titles. I'm that's sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. It's all right. No. It's been a while. Uh, you <laughs> it actually it's actually, really it's so funny i actually just watched caravan of courage over the weekend with my friend mike um i have not seen that movie probably since i was like 10 or 11 um it's not good but i mean it's good looking <laughs> back on it i always loved battle for endor i watched that the summer just this past summer when we got back from our trip to the redwoods and also not very good but again they're very fun um so but yeah, uh, it, it's Empire Strikes Back, ladies and it's gentlemen. It's obviously the Empire Strikes Back, yes, and and therefore I can now say I agree with you know how our poll shook out. Um, you know, Empire's for me my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, probably always will be. I don't, you know, Solo is the closest it's ever gotten to even somewhat rivaling it. But when I pull back and really think about it, nothing comes close to the Empire Strikes Back, and it's not it's not my way of saying it because everything else sucks. It's just. 
at the end of the day, and I've said this before, Empire Strikes Back is why I love Star Wars. It was my first kiss, if you will. You know, like <laughs> it's what brought me into this larger world. Um, and, you know, I, nothing else has, will ever be able to do that for me in Star Wars. And that's okay. Um, and I'm so yeah. glad I have this movie. It's the movie I watch when I'm just having a really bad go at life because it always lifts me up. It's what I watch when I just am like, oh, I feel like watching Star Wars. I'm not sure which one. Well, I guess Empire will do. Um, right? Like it's it's, garbage will do. Um, Yeah, yeah. Except it's not garbage. Um, (laughs) Yes, exactly. This perfection will do. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, it's and and I love listening to why people love this one the most. Um, And uh, honestly one of the major themes, which is exactly the theme you hit on when you talked about it just last week. Um, but I, I want to give this theme a title and it's simply will find Han. I promise. <laughs> um, and it's this statement of resilience, right? That is the major theme of the empire strikes back and why I think it's still so beloved by countless fans um, is this is the movie um, and I believe over on Twitter, uh, Scott Nash made a great point about how, you know, as when he was a kid, this was the first movie he had ever seen where the bad guys won. <laughs> and, you know, that was it's a powerful thing. I mean, um, you know, I grew up at a time when I watched Empire and then I could immediately put in the VHS of Return of the Jedi and found out what happened. <laughs> you know, right. um, I didn't have to wait those three years. Um, but, uh, you know, Empire does end on a downbeat. And um, like all the middle act movies do in some ways. Um, And to be fair, I would say that Attack of the Clones actually has the hardest downbeat of all the middle act films because it's just sucks. It's war, right? Empire ends with a statement of, of hope and resilience. And so does last Jedi. We have all we need, right? Like there is a, a a hope embedded within both empire and last Jedi. That's definitely missing in attack of the clones and understandably. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, Empire, the reason it is my go-to movie specifically just when things are just rough is because it's the movie that rem- that tells us the story that the worst of what can beat you down in life won't win if you believe if you believe in something more. Um, you know, and and I and I just love how Lando's the one that captures that energy. I believe Lando every time he says I mean, yes, granted, spoiler alert, I've seen Return of the Jedi, but um, <laughs> I just, I believe Lando when he delivers that line of, you know, we'll find hand, I promise. Um, it's so good. And, and that's what this movie is all about. You just got to, you know, no matter how many times you get knocked down, you get up and you keep fighting. Um, I love that theme. It's great. Um, and you know, kind of like you with Attack of the Clones, Jason, I actually do have a hard time picking a specific character to identify with. Um, and because in a weird way, the, and, and the Empire Strikes Back of every single Star Wars movie is the one Star Wars movie where I do like to sit down and watch it in its entirety. Almost any other Star Wars movie, I almost enjoy it more when I watch it in parts. Um, I think that has more to do with just my own decreasing attention span over time. Um <laughs> But Empire, whenever I put Empire on, I pretty much have to watch it all the way through. Um, And in a weird way, as the story goes, I just find myself identifying with everybody who's on the screen. Now, that being said, I would have to say, you know, when push comes to shove, probably Luke is the character I identify most with. Even though this is of the original of of Harrison Ford encapsulating of 
Harrison Ford's interpretation of Han Solo. Cause I'm with you. I think Alden is my favorite Han Solo. Um, yes. but, uh, I think that this is the strongest Han Solo performance in a star Wars movie. Um, but that being said, Luke is the one I identify most with just because he is the character specifically who has to struggle through so much. Um, and most specifically, his struggle is with that lack of belief in himself, the lack of belief that he is capable of becoming this Jedi, that he is capable of using the force, of doing the impossible, bringing it back to Phantom Menace. This is impossible. Uh, yes, this is impossible. <laughs> um, nothing. Where are those droid cars? <laughs> Master, destroy us. <laughs> um, Sorry. No, you're good. Don't, don't no, ever apologize no, for apologizing to the listeners, not oh. you, because <laughs> we, we do this all the time. Um, yes, yeah. Phantom Menace quotes find their way everywhere when Carl and I are together. Oh. Yeah, they just can't not. But yeah, so exactly. it is, it's, you know, that story of Luke of just having to learn that you are indeed capable of everything you feel called to. Um, you know, uh, it's just, I love that. I love it so much. The weird thing is, is because that movie has been in my DNA since I became a Star Wars fan, it just doesn't have the same emotional weight um, that the other movies do, if that makes sense. Um, and again, that's not a way of diminishing it. Um, but yeah, kind of like you with Attack of the Clones, this was the, the the prompt that I had the most trouble with for Empire. That being said, moving into my favorite moment, which obviously this movie is riddled with fantastic moments. The torture scene being one of them. Um, there is something wrong with me. <laughs> I knew we wouldn't get out of this without you mentioning that. I know, but it's not my favorite moment. And, I, and I've talked about this before, but it's this right here. You see, since we're a small operation, we don't fall into the uh, jurisdiction of the Empire. So you're part of the mining guild then? No, not actually. Our operation is small enough not to be noticed. Which is advantageous for everybody since uh, our customers are anxious to avoid attracting attention to themselves. Aren't you afraid the Empire is going to find out about this little operation? Shut you down? It's always been a danger, but it looms like a shadow over everything we've built here. But things have developed that'll ensure security. I've just made a deal that'll keep the Empire out of here forever. We would be honored if you would join us. I had no choice. They arrived right before you did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. Yeah, I, I just... Ugh, I, it's it's hard to pick a favorite moment from this movie in a lot of ways, but this is the one scene that always just gets me on my feet, man. It just, I get excited every time. And every time <laughs> I see it, even to this day, you know, 20 odd years later, having seen this movie hundreds of hundreds of times, there's always a part of me that just really hopes that this will be the time that Han gets that shot through it and kills, <laughs> kills Vader, <laughs> you know, and the story just ends. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, as a kid, this was the the part of, uh, this was kind of something I always wanted to, would have always wanted to have seen. It's, Han, well, man, what would happen if Han Solo went up against Darth Vader? Well, we find out in about three seconds. Not much. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Not um, at all. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I like it so much. And 
as I, as I played the clip, I was obviously watched it as well. Um, once again, I kind of noticed something similar to something Han did in solo, which again is he, the way he puts his arm out to kind of protect Leia, who's standing behind him once again, puts himself in between harm's way and the people he cares about, because that's who Han Solo is. Um, but yeah, I love this moment just because it's so fun. And, um, you know, it, it always takes me back to the memory of standing in my bedroom. I had this old like Western cowboy holster that I would always wear slow on my hip as a kid. And I had like this red World War II pistol. Um, I mean, it was a toy pistol. It wasn't real. And I pretended it was my DL-44. And I would just practice fast draws and then throw my blaster onto my bed, pretending it was Vader pulling it away. I mean, I, I reenacted that scene possibly more than duel of the fates. So I just loved it so much. I loved being um, overpowered by the, the pull of the force. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, and and as far as a personal story, it's kind of how I opened it. This is the movie that made me fall in love with star Wars, (laughs) you know? Um, So that's why for me, it'll probably be forever ranked number one. So fair enough. So your number one. Yes. Return of the Jedi. Absolutely. Tell us more. Um, well, I, it, it's funny because you mentioned Return of the Jedi earlier and your favorite moment, uh, which is my favorite moment um, from Return of the Jedi. Uh, the I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. There are so many great moments in this movie for me. I love the entire end battle sequence. It's the best use of the Star Wars you know, trope of being able to cut from battle to battle to battle to battle to keep telling a progressive story throughout the final act of the movie. Um, and of course, there's the the moment when Luke ignites his saber on the the Sarlacc pit battle and all this stuff. There's some absolutely fantastic moments all throughout this movie for me. Um, but, and I think this moment is elevated because Carl and I have just talked it to death and will continue to do so for as long as we have this podcast um is the i am a jedi like my father before me moment mm-hmm. it's just so good you know the the statement of identity the re you know reaching out to you know his father the it, it is the crux on which everything turns um in that final confrontation there and uh Without that moment, with it. and it is it is when Luke really asserts himself as a Jedi and lives up to being a Jedi. You know, it's for the Force, it's for knowledge and defense, never attack. He stops, he throws away his saber, and declares himself to be a Jedi, like his father before him, in the presence of one of the most diabolically evil Sith to ever walk the face of the galaxy. Hmm. You know, uh, he probably doesn't think he's getting out of this, um, but he does it anyway. So I, I love this moment so much. Um, but that being said, that is completely tied into character identify with Luke Skywalker uh, for so many reasons. I, I've identified with Luke in every single one of the, the original trilogy movies mm-hmm. anyways. Yeah. Uh, so having that continue is not a surprise, especially since he is very much written to be the everyman and the focal point character for each of these movies. So um, 
and being able to to stand in your identity like that is much like how you said Carl um, and being able to identify who you are not only to yourself but to people around you uh, is a very powerful thing um, uh, you know as you as you go through life so um, but it also ties into the theme of Return of the Jedi that I wanted to highlight which very close to what you were saying, Carl, but I, I'm viewing it in a slightly different lens here. Um, and the way I, I've, I've phrased this is um, I, I wanted to look at it slightly differently than, than I've looked at it before. And that's how I've kind of looked at a lot of the themes I've picked out of these movies for, for this discussion. Um, in that love is stronger than power. Mm. Um, because, and story-wise, power was what Anakin thought he needed. Right. But that let him down. Uh, and we find out in Return of the Jedi that love is stronger than that. Love is stronger than power in terms of Luke reaching out and reconnecting with his father, uh, which leads to the destruction of Palpatine in that, at that point. Uh, Han... And Leia also exhibit this, you know, differently, um, you know, love for, you know, we get the familial love, we get the, the romantic love is stronger. We get the, the love of a cause or a purpose, um, the love of, of home from the Ewoks, you mm, know? Yeah. And in the end, all of this combines to create uh, the, you know, the love of freedom. Uh, you know, with the rebels, all of this combines and comes together and coalesces in this final battle to overcome an overwhelmingly more powerful, larger force in the empire and defeat them, you know, and it's one of those things where even Luke goes against the advice of his masters, his Mm -hmm. mentors, you know, in order to say, that's not how this works. So, uh, and it is the one thing that Palpatine still does not understand and will never understand because power is all he wants and all he desires and all he thinks he needs. Yeah. Um, and he still – he knows how to use people's feelings to manipulate them, but he still does not understand what love really is and why it is so strong. Um, and uh, And the fact that all of this – is able to combine together to, to defeat the Empire and create, uh, in a, a sense, a very fairy tale ending where good is defeated or, or uh, good, good defeats evil. Um, and they all sort of have a happily ever after moment at the end of the movie, you know, which is not fully true, but at least in the moment it is. Um, you know, it's just a wonderful picture. And maybe it's a bit tropey, but I don't care because it's done so perfectly, uh, you know, <laughs> and it is so wonderful. Uh, you need that kind of a moment when you have this whole story from one through six up to this point, you know, to to have that moment of, hey, we did it, you know, um, and it is just such a perfect little little example of, of all this. Um Love is stronger than power. I love that. And, That's so perfect. Yeah, and it's it's so it's so great. Um, story, 
I, I got to go right back to last year at the Redwoods, Carl, um, <laughs> where yes, where you and I got to traipse through the the Redwood Forest, where some of some of the movie was filmed, and where we got to make our own little mockumentary um, of the the uh, places at the Battle of Endor and all this stuff, which is so great. You can find that you know on our YouTube channel and back in our feed um if you're interested it's a lot of fun and we had a a great time filming it and i had a fun time editing it uh, and all that stuff so it was good it was very good and uh i I liked mixing in stories from early days and more recent days with all these movies and so um i'm glad i'm glad i have that story to add to all of this because it was it was a really good time it really was so yeah Oh, there you go. There we did is, it. We did it, which was real hard. <laughs> it was. It was very hard and a little exhausting, but we made it. We made it. And I'm just so glad that so many of you shared your favorite Star Wars movie, too. Um, yes. And I love that every single one got a vote. Yeah. Which is great. Me too. It's great. Because, again, very happy about we that. all have our preferences when it comes to star Wars and they all speak to us for different reasons. Um, and I think that's why, you know, anyone's rank in my opinion ought to be different. You know, if, if I met someone with the exact same rank as me, that would be kind of neat in it, but I think that'd be far less the case than a commonality. And I like that. Right. I mean, this is the reason I, befriended you so quickly it was because we had such a different opinion that first yeah. time we met about yeah. uh what our favorite star wars stuff was and and i loved what yours was because it was so different from my own um and and, and i would say over the past eight years in a lot of ways we've come to share a lot of the same loves yes um but that is because we've we've talked it through and we've experienced it together right um but we still have our we still have our preferences yeah. that have never changed and that are definitely different. So right, um, right, and 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 but I love that because it makes the conversation so much more fun. And I love talking to Star Wars fans who have really really different favorite Star Wars movies than me because um, it's just it's so fun, you know. And it's one of that. I obviously obviously you can tell Katie's still not with us. She's still taking her break, but. Um, that was something that obviously drew us both to Katie as well as, you know, I'm speaking for her at this point, but she's shared before on the show that her top two Star Wars movies are Last Jedi and Phantom Menace, which could not be more different of Star Wars movies. And I absolutely yeah. adore that, that those are her top Star Wars movies because they speak so beautifully to the person she is. There's this simple, innocent beauty and fun to Katie, but also this really complex and uh somewhat tragic yet beautiful story as well that's kind of wrapped up in last jedi and you know i i just i love that i i yeah and i love that you know when when you're a hardcore star wars fan like you and i are and probably so many of you that are listening and we tell someone what our you know the star wars movies we love the most are we also reveal something about ourselves right yes you know in the same way if you're a huge beatles fan if you ask somebody else who's a huge beatles fan what's your favorite album it probably reveals something about who they are um right uh what's your favorite or even you know what's your favorite song off of you know one of their i don't know any of the names of their albums because i'm not a beatles fan but um right like but you know you 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 answer that question and, and it reveals something about you because you're speaking to someone who also is 
immersed in that world. And, you know, I, I sometimes wish that people could be a little bit more forgiving, more so on online, right? Everybody's a little bit more of a coward online because you can be <laughs> a jerk without with the sense of anonymity. Um, yeah. But I, I really think we would just be doing the Star Wars community more of a service by just simply engaging people with, oh, man, what, what do you love about this? Oh, yes. Cool. Like when, I, when somebody has an opinion or a favorite of something in Star Wars, whether it's the movie, character, uh, or, or something like that, that's different than yours, instead of saying they're wrong, ask them why. Because everyone has a reason. You know, as, as you've heard us discuss here, we have very specific and distinct reasons why we love each of these movies. And sometimes those reasons are more important to us than others, you know, and that is why certain movies are elevated higher on our list than other movies. Uh, you know, whether or not a movie is, you know, it, Empire Strikes Back is a near perfect film. Hmm. It's not in my top five Star Wars movies. Yeah. You know, I, I freely admit Empire Strikes Back is about as perfect a movie as you're going to get in the Star Wars saga. But it, it just the, the, the reasons I love it aren't that important to me as the reasons why I like, I love some of these other movies. Yeah, so, right. And you know, that was kind of the, the hope of, I mean, the, the main reason we wanted to do this was simply because, wow, like this is a great opportunity to just stop and look back on all these live action films that have come out just literally in the last five years. But then obviously the saga as a whole is now told and just think about, man, these are some great movies. Let's talk about the things in all of them that we love. And that then determines how we would rank them. Um, right. Whatever you identify most with is probably going to rank higher. You know, like you just so beautifully put, you, you understand Empire Strikes Back is a great movie. Just isn't one of your favorites. I, I mean, a new hope is right at the bottom of my list. I understand that it is in a way it is the most important star Wars movie. It's just not my favorite. Right. I didn't grow up when it came out. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just, and this is, I don't mean to sound preachy here, but, I just think it'd be really great if more of us, when we engage another Star Wars fan, if we were just more open to listening to what they love about something. Now, that doesn't mean we can't critique things and dislike things. I mean, there are things in almost every Star Wars movie that I don't love, but those just are the things that I like. Literally, like I'm just looking at Rise of Skywalker. I mean, I still sometimes find the whole Palpatine stuff really silly. But at the same time, it's like, all right, it's silly. I'm going to put it in that little silly box and just pay attention to the things that I really love in this movie that are really speaking to me and work for me. Um, and I think that that's also okay. Um, yeah. So I don't know, you know, like, like I, like, like I, I completely grant and understand the, the very wooden dialogue that leads to some terrible acting in the romance scenes and attack of the clones. There are some scenes in there that are just not good, yeah. but, it's still my second favorite Star Wars movie of all time, and it has nothing to do with those scenes whatsoever. So, yeah, yeah. Well, Jason, the thought of not podcasting with you—I can't breathe. I, I same, Carl. <laughs> same. Uh, so, anyway, yeah. The, you know, hopefully, like these little prompts that we kind of came up with will, in some ways, serve you both in your own reflection on the Star Wars movies for yourself, but maybe even in your conversations with your fellow Star Wars friends, whether it be in person or online, wherever it may be, just engaging people by asking just these simple prompts of, you know, oh, who's the character you identified in that movie? Oh, man, what's a theme that you've connected with? Um, yeah. 
So, you know, I love talking to my buddy Greg about Last Jedi because the way it affected him and continues to affect him is so powerful. And I love hearing why. And because that's not how it touched me. Um, but the way it touched him is just so beautiful that I, I love hearing that story. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, everybody's got their reasons. And, um, yes, you know, those reasons matter. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's enough from us. Um, yeah. That being said, next week, we are finally going to tackle all of your takes on the rise of Skywalker. Yes. So if you have not yet done so, um, and we have gotten quite a few just in the last week, which is great. But I uh, encourage you to email us with your thoughts on Rise of Skywalker. So you would send us an email at wampuslayerpodcast at gmail.com. Just, you know, try to keep your thoughts succinct. Again, you're welcome to record a quick audio clip of yourself. Just try to keep it to about a minute. Um, we can play that on the show as well. Or just feel free to type us up in an email the things that you thought about Rise of Skywalker. And we'll discuss them next week. We'll hopefully get through as many or most of them. Um, no, no promises. Um, right. But uh, we will do our best to tackle all of those next week. So if you've yet to send those thoughts in, please do so ASAP because we'll be tackling that next week and in, in the next episode. Yes, indeed. Um, but then also, Carl, before we leave, we have a matchup for next week's episode that sure do. Uh, we want to get everybody to weigh in on. And you came up with this. So, uh, yeah. How about you set this one up for us? Yeah. So, and I actually kind of reworked it in my head as we were podcasting just now. Um, so I want to put, you know, this is, uh, these are final trilogy fights. So take Return of the Jedi Luke and take him up against Rise of Skywalker Ray. Who wins in that duel? I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Rise of Skywalker Ray versus Return of the Jedi Luke. Ooh. I'm very curious to see what people think, and I need to do some thinking on this one myself. So um, <laughs> we'll see what everyone says uh, for next week's episode. And, and if folks want to weigh in on the uh, matchup or anything else that we've discussed this episode or anything else related to Star Wars, where can they do that? Where can they talk to us? <laughs> well, we're on Twitter at Wampa's Lair. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at Wampa's Lair Podcast. And like we said, be sure to email us at Wampa's Lair Podcast at gmail.com um katie's been a bit quieter on twitter as of late i'm sure life has just been busy being a new homeowner but if you want to follow katie and, and her thoughts on things in life and star wars she's at po hot dameron on twitter yes we love her we can't wait for her to come back but we also respect the fact that she needs some time so uh anything else carl before we close down this episode no that was fun as always it was it was very fun uh all right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampas Lair podcast. This has been episode number 369, Saving What We Love, part two. For Carl and Katie, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. <laughs>